0: everybody, it's Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. I'm TJ DeSantis, along with Pearl Gonzalez. It is a themed red, white, and blue edition of your favorite mixed martial arts, whatever media this is. I don't know if it's a podcast, a television show. It's something, and we're here. I'm
1: so bummed I don't have red, white, and blue on right now. You did not give me the memo.
0: I know, I'm sorry. Do you know how long it takes me to figure out how to make the damn extra blue? Like, a long time. If I could do it quicker, I would have warned you.
1: It looks so good.
0: But I'm not good at that stuff, so um, it's it's taking me all day. We're actually going to be joined by uh, a couple of uh, fantastic uh, guests, actually three fantastic guests. Th- you might call this the Midsummer Classic because this, this uh, show has all the American staples you would want Uh, on 4th of July week. We're going to be joined by the all-time hits leader in Major League Baseball, Pete Rose. Had a chance to catch up with him. Uh, Two Houston Astros, as we'll talk to Lance McCullers Jr. and Carlos Correa. They actually have an MMA podcast, believe it or not. Two active uh, studs in the uh, MLB, but they're taking their time to talk about mixed martial arts. And I'm going to be joined by Joey Chestnut. And if you don't know who Joey Chestnut is, uh, let me tell you, because he truly is one of the great icons of Americana. He is the uh, hot dog eating champion of the world. Uh, Last 4th of July at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, he put down 75 dogs in 10 minutes. He'll be back uh, doing it again this 4th of July. Yeah, he says he can actually, I I don't want to spoil it, but he he can do much more than 75 if you give him unlimited time.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, when's the last time you had a hot dog?
1: I don't know if I've had 75 hot dogs in my lifetime, I'm going to be honest.
0: You're missing out. I mean, Nathan's hot dogs are pretty damn good, I'm just saying.
1: Is that here in New York?
0: It is. Well, yeah, Coney Island, I, I think that's in New York, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: so I was. I went to Coney Island a couple weeks ago. They took me, and um, we were in line for Nathan's hot dogs, but the line was super long, so we ended up going and getting pizza instead, so I almost... Tried Nathan's hot dogs. I'm from Chicago. We make a killer dog. It's hard to believe that anybody can top it. I'm just saying.
0: A Chicago dog's got a little too much going on, personally. Like, there's like a pickle and like all sorts of stuff. You see, I just like a plain hot dog.
1: With nothing on it?
0: Correct. Yeah. A good beef dog, it requires nothing. Just,
1: okay, beef is important. Yeah, beef yeah, is definitely important. Yeah. But like you need some you need some onions on there, you need some mustard on there. You need a poppy seed bun. I mean, come on. You know, in Cali they do like this delicious they wrap it in bacon and put some avocado. It's incredible.
0: Okay, so So essentially, like, I come from Minnesota where basically if you want to make something California, you just add tomato to it. Now that's evolved into you put avocado on it, now it's California toast. Bacon's everywhere. Bacon's not a California Mm. thing, but we need to stop talking about hot dogs because we're giving people a lot of fodder to do things with, and that's never a good thing. (laughs) All right? Get away from it. Oh, trust me, it's I'm so always good. thinking about it. Let's let's talk about fights <laughs> that happened uh, over the weekend. The UFC was in action with UFC Vegas 30. Uh, Cyril Gane, the number three ranked heavyweight, taking on uh, Alexander Volkov. Uh, this was a, a big fight for a lot of reasons. You have Volkov, who's, uh, you know been uh, a stalwart in the UFC's heavyweight division for, for quite a while, uh, taking on Cyril Gane, who has been undefeated coming up through the ranks. And uh, there's a lot on the line between these two men uh, in the main event. And for Cyril Gane, you know, Spoiler alert, he wins. But it was uh, the way that he was able to really bully and manhandle Alexander Volkov that pushed his way to a UFC interim heavyweight championship. And now he's going to take on Derek Lewis. It's for the interim heavyweight belt coming up here uh, in uh, August. I was talking to Dean Thomas a little bit earlier today, actually, and he was talking about the impact that heavyweights can make because that division is not so deep. You're able to march right into a title fight a lot quicker than say if you were fighting at 155.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and if you like have skills like he does, he's very elusive. he's fast. I mean you see how fast he can get ahead look at that. You don't see that very often in, in heavy weight, so absolutely and it, it, it's I wouldn't say it's easy, but if, if you have talents and you're talented, you can shine in this division.
0: Yeah, and so far, Cyril Ghana now pushing his record to 9-0 is, you know, all intents and purposes, the number one contender uh, next to Derek Lewis for the uh, interim title. Uh, Coleman event on Saturday. It's a man that has flirted with heavyweight and light heavyweight. I uh, see Ovin St. Preux back down at 205 pounds, taking on the Canadian uh, Tanner Bozer. This was a, a fight that I honestly didn't know what was going to happen. I, I expected Bozer to probably get the win because Ovin St. Preux is not necessarily firing on all cylinders that he was when, say, he fought and challenged John Jones. But still, this was a, right. a, a huge win for Bozer, and he was able to get it done. That does say something uh, for well, his status coming up here in the UFC's uh, division.
1: That leg was, was beat up.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, um,
1: I'm sure he's having a tough time walking today. Yeah.
0: TKO there for uh, Tanner Bozer in round number two. Um, then we saw uh, Timur Valiev take on Hayoni uh, Hi- uh, Barcedos. I don't know how these guys do it on the UFC play-by-play team. I, I know they got the, the the MP3s to make sure that they say all the names correctly. Pearl, you and I can do a fairly decent job, but uh, the UFC, it's, it's running all sorts. Of- that's true. I, I wasn't going to point it out, but uh, just... <laughs> He's going to try to carry you there. These guys go 15 full. Uh, Majority decision uh, goes the way of Tamer Valiev. Unfortunately, no concrete um, real winner in the way of a unanimous decision, but a majority decision. It was still something that uh, Mm, uh, ultimately yielded a victory for uh, Valiyev. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, one judge having it uh, a draw. Then we move to the UFC's featherweight division. Andre, my favorite nickname, Andre Touchy Feely, taking on <laughs> Daniel the Pit Pineda. Um, th- this is, I mean, like, I-, I feel so bad when we talk about fights like this because this is a, a fight that saw Pineda very game and-, and willing to exchange with Andre Feely, and Feely was really putting it on him in-, in that first round. It was shaping up to be a great fight, Pearl, but unfortunately, this one ends due to uh, a no contest, essentially, because of an eye poke.
1: Yeah and I mean Fe- Feely is so talented he's so long and lanky and he showed that I mean he threw some beautiful head kicks in this fight it, it was a, it was a very beautiful display of work um from Philly and you know unfortunately that's it what happens. happened there. You know, it ha- like I know yeah. you've,
0: you've done a lot of work lately um, with, with, without any gloves on for that matter. Is, is it, is it a problem in, in just straight up boxing as well when you don't have gloves on to uh, sort of just eye pokes? I mean, are, are they just a thing that's going to happen? Uh,
1: and without gloves? Yes. I was poked in my eye and, and uh, couldn't see for a full round, but, um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, your hands are open and, and it's, it's hard when you're blocking and you're punching and you're kind of feeling out and, you're looking for range and it's unintentional you know um you're never really kind of like pointing your fingers at people but just the way that the bodies move and the way that you guys are are moving with each other it happens it happens often and especially with your your fingers being open um which is why the referees do check your nails right before you go into to any fight whenever you have an open glove or or no glove um and uh it's still though unfortunate because again like you're with boxing gloves you can get away with punching like this. You can get away with kind of like posting on people. Sorry, I keep covering my face, but like you can post on shoulders. You can post on heads and stuff like, and and you can do this with, with gloves on. And for the majority of, of the sparring, you typically are sparring with, with bigger gloves on, um, unless you have, you know, your MMA puffies on and even the puffy gloves, they kind of like sit like this on top. So it kind of keeps your fingers, more curled in, and um, you're less likely with the puffies um, on to poke someone in the eye. However, when you have on such a thin glove, I mean, they're four ounces only. They're tiny gloves, and um, your hands are open. Again, those movements that you're used to doing with your big gloves on in sparring it's instinct at this point and so it happens it's it incidentally it does happen a lot yeah i don't i don't
0: i don't know if there is a, an answer i mean conor mcgregor has like a prototype um uh i think trevor um mm-hmm. what's god what, what's his why can i not think of trevor's last name trevor whitman, whitman. there we go whitman's yeah, got a, whitman. a prototype I, I like the idea and the innovation but at the risk of compromising grappling like I don't know, I just I don't I don't ever want that to really be a, a factor. Let's get back to what uh, sort of uh, unfolded Saturday night inside the Apex. Uh, Cyril Ghana victorious over Alexander Volkov. He now takes on uh, the Black Beast Eric Lewis for an interim title coming up here uh, in August. That goes down in Houston. A lot was made about Francis Ngannou not defending his title. There's you know some stories back and forth uh, between Dana White and the management of uh, Ngannou. Um, you know either way, they're just going to solidify essentially a number one. Condition. Contender by putting on uh, this title fight uh, interim belt between Gane and uh, and Derek Lewis. I was surprised. I don't know if you saw this. This line for for Cyril Gane, it's like over three to one that he's a favorite over Derek Lewis. Maybe I've just seen the Black Beast rally and accomplish more things than uh, I've honestly thought he's been capable in the past. I will never count out Derek Lewis, especially not in a three weird. to one clip.
1: You can't. You can. You can never count him on. I mean, he's proved it more than one time that you can never count him out in a fight. And I think that the reason why that is 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 you cannot deny Cyril's talent and his technique. He's a, he's a tactician. He's very technical, very clean striking, very very clean dynamic movement. Um. And and Derek Lewis, you know, it doesn't have those that same set of skills. However. Derek Lewis Lewis is a closer. He's a finisher. He he finishes fights. He he can perform under the under in the clutch. Um, Never loses focus in the fight. So he they have two very different um, skill sets, and so I I could see why people would a three to one to to Cyril versus Derek Lewis. But you can't count out Derek Lewis because he he's shown many times before. Regardless of how technical you are, he can still finish you. Also, too,
0: when you look at Derek Lewis and and what he can do, it's it's almost one of those guys where it doesn't matter. Like if we were gonna do like a skills competition, I don't think Derek Lewis is gonna have the best flying knee in the world. But when when it comes to fight night, he, he just seems to shine in those moments. And let's not forget, this interim title fight is going to take place in Houston, where Derek Lewis lives and trains. I don't know, that might catapult him to heights that, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable going anywhere. I wouldn't wouldn't bet against Derek Lewis at at even money. I'm definitely not doing it three to one, you know, or or higher, depending on where it closes. So uh, look for Houston to elevate his game quite a bit, I think.
1: You know, and I think the hat's off to to Lewis as well, because he was was in line for the the original title shot, you know, the real title shot. And here he is. He just wants to fight. He just, you know, he, he, he doesn't care who's in front of him. I think that he's at a point in his career and in his life where he's like, I'm the world, I'm, I'm the heavyweight world champion and I'm going to be. And it doesn't matter who's in front of me. I'm, I'm bringing that belt home. So I think this is a, a really, really cool matchup and hats off to, to Derek Lewis, you know, for, for taking this fight.
0: We are live on Twitch and Facebook, and if you have a question for myself or Pearl, you can drop it uh, in the uh, chat. We'd love to get to all of your uh, questions. This is from uh, Blazon with a three instead of a E. I don't know. The, I definitely know it spells Blazon, but it's not how you spell Blazin. Um, I'm so unhip, Pearl. I, I can hardly even read how cool people speak these days. But uh, Blazon says, if your nails are too long, will they make you cut them prior to uh, starting the fight? Um, that, that, that's an interesting question. You see that prep point where they actually do uh, take a look at them. It's not often you see them bust out the nail clippers, but I've definitely seen it before where they go, look, like we need to take care of this uh, manicure right now.
1: Um, I mean, have you seen them force fighters to clip their toenails? That's I- how gross to me, but right at cage side, yeah, they will pull the, the, the refs there have nail clippers on hand, and if your nails are too long, they they will they will force you to cut them. So absolutely, if they they are too long, um, leading up to there, and it shouldn't really get to that point because during the rules meeting, um, there's the commission back there. The referee comes and talks to you before your fight um they look they they typically look at your nails then the doctor looks at your nails sometimes it's, it's not very often but occasionally it does kind of get through and slip through and then that last person that checks right before you walk into the cage if if they feel they're too long absolutely they will make you cut them right then and there and they will stop and 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 delay the fight until you until you cut your nails and they deem that that is it's okay it's acceptable which kind of makes it interesting because as soon as you cut your nails i don't know if you notice but they tend to be sharper when you first cut them. So I don't know if that's a if that's like a a thing, but they're definitely sharper right after you cut them by them being cut and they kind of like dull out after some time.
0: Can I say like I'm not against getting a manicure or a pedicure like go go do that. That's awesome. I just don't know if I want it done by an MMA referee. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, you got to trust someone to like cut your nails and make sure you don't get like the last thing you want is to be walking into a cage to fight another grown human being and then have, you know, the, the referee like accidentally clip a piece of your skin. I'm just saying.
1: I think they, they have you cut your own nails.
0: Um, Do they? That's good then. I I feel better about that.
1: Yeah. They don't, they don't cut your nails for you. They're not doing that. They give you the nail clippers and they have you cut your own nails.
0: Okay, Because no one's touching my feet. I just want to point that out like I oh, mean
1: you should get a pedicure. It is amazing,
0: yeah, I again, I wouldn't want to do that to some poor person. That'd be <laughs> terrible. I'm a nice person. I don't want to put people through that if I don't have to. Oh
1: my God, it's like the best feeling ever. they massage your calves they they put hot towels. It's so nice. You're missing out. are you,
0: are you sure they do that to everybody, Pearl, or is that just you? Yeah.
1: No that's the that's the protocol for a pedicure and they put your feet sometimes they put it in like this really cool jelly and you like swish your toes around and then like squiggle it through your toes it's so nice and
0: uh, they would put mine in rubbing alcohol for at least <laughs> 25, 30 minutes before they go to work. I promise you that. Uh, other action this weekend. Uh, Cage Warriors are back with a trilogy again. 123, 24, and 25. Submission underground uh, as well. Let's take a look back at uh, uh, Cage Warriors 123. Some action that you can actually watch now on UFC Fight Pass. This is O'Meal Brown taking on Joel Downey Cave. Um, I have not even seen this pearl, so it's like a, it's like a world premiere right now. We see O'Neal Brown take uh, down uh, Downey cave uh, setting up inside here. You know speaking of feet feet on the cage, always a smart move.
1: Absolutely. Look at that beautiful um, sweep there.
0: Yeah, now mount position here for Downey Cave. We'll see what he can do with it. Grabbing the fence there though a little bit. referee doesn't say anything.
1: I mean it was a quick it was a quick second.
0: Oh so you can cheat just as long as it's for a quick second.
1: I mean, you wouldn't by the time he says <laughs> get your hands off the fence, it's over. Right. I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, we see Brown belly down now. Might be holding on to the the glove speaking of cheating cuz Danny Cave yeah. not able to get his hands free. I love that under the armpit punch that Dan Henderson Fedor Emelianenko blow.
1: It's super effective. It's effective and it's a nice little short punch you don't expect it. He did a great job of Ooh. pulling him right up right over for his back.
0: Looks like uh, Danny Cave uh, is going to try to get a submission going, but he unfortunately has to settle for half. Mammy's calling fights with you, Pearl. This is fun.
1: I know. Let's see. What's he looking for? A Dars here? Uh, guillotine. Had an arm guillotine. Beautiful reversal. Nice guillotine put in. Oh, wow. Staying
0: on his knees there. Oh, he taps.
1: Nice. Wow. It's over. That yeah. was tight. That was tight.
0: Look at that. Uh, O'Meal Brown gets the submission. That was a nice, fun, back-and-forth uh, matchup. Yeah, there. I was just
1: going to say that.
0: Yeah, Cage Warriors 123, yeah. available now on UFC Fight Pass. You want to do some submission underground? Let's go to uh, yeah. Chael Sonnen's uh, lair where people grapple for money. Um, this is Kyle Baim on bottom, taking on uh, Pedro Mourinho. Mar- uh, this is overtime. Uh, they start in the uh, spider web position. Do you call the spider web position? I mean, I, I only do it because yes. that's what Eddie Bravo makes me say.
1: Yes, it's spiderweb, but I'm also 10th uh, Planet.
0: Oh, well, look at you! You're also tenth Planet, so right.
1: so I would call it would call it spiderweb.
0: Can I call myself 10th Planet? You I don't can. think so, because I don't know what a ham sandwich is or a vaporizer you don't? Or, or a truck. I know I used to own a truck.
1: Those are all a uh, vaporizer and ham sandwich. Uh, the calf slicer, vaporizer is a leg lock, and then or I believe it's an ankle lock, and uh, truck is a position. It's a back position.
0: Kyle Bayne able to bet. escape there. And we'll see what he does in his half of the uh, overtime. I believe in Submission Underground, they only have one overtime as well.
1: I thought it was three. but I I think, be wrong. I, that,
0: That's EBI rules.
1: Okay.
0: I'm not certain. Things have changed. I, I called Submission Underground one, and then... Mm-hmm. I, I was replaced because my buddy was getting married. And then apparently I can't have my job back because Chael just does not which is probably uh, way more entertaining.
1: He is. He's pretty funny. I
0: wonder if he's in the top five greatest American mixed martial arts. Yeah, artists. I'm
1: excited to see. I mean, he's doing such a great job. See, he's turning over here. He's doing such a good job with that underhook, which is kind of keeping him in the position that he needs. When it's when you're in overtime here, if you're not getting the submission, which that's a bully choke, that was that was awesome. Kyle um, Bame. You have to you have to hold position, and so he was doing a great job of holding that position until he got that
0: submission. Kyle, yeah, Kyle Bame is a uh, someone that works that submission grappling uh, circuit quite frequently. Uh, has definitely been a, a featured on uh, the Eddie Bravo Invitational as well as Combat Jiu-Jitsu uh, in the past, and we see him doing work there in Submission Underground. You can check out Submission Underground 24 along with all three of those Cage Warriors events right now over on UFC Fight Pass. Um, I mentioned we got some uh, guests coming up, Pete Rose, Joey Chestnut. Uh, as well as two Houston Astros, Lance McCullers Jr. and Carlos Correa. But now I'm hanging out with uh, Pearl Gonzalez for the time being. Still welcoming all of your uh, Twitch questions. They told me they had another one, but uh, I don't think. Oh no, we do. Yeah, we got it. I, I, I missed it the first time. Uh, Danny DDT says, "Can you ask Pearl if she swims? Uh, if she swims to help her cardio? Uh, do you do a lot of swimming?"
1: Uh, I haven't recently, but yes, I've absolutely used swimming as part of my cardio. I really like, what I like about swimming is um, you can't breathe like you want to. It's a very controlled type of breathing. Um, and it also, you're kind of moving your legs and your feet, so it reminds me a lot of grappling. But the biggest piece is you have to really control and focus on your breathing. And that's really important in a fight. Um, when you when you watch people strike, you hear them either hawing or shh, shh. Sh- and that's breathing, that's that's them breathing. And some people, when they get nervous or when they get excited in there, they stop breathing. And, and once you stop getting oxygen to your muscles, that's when you start to fatigue. So breathing is one of the most important parts of any type of athletic sport. Um, and it's overlooked very often. And so I love swimming for that reason. Um, as, as well as it keeps your, your heart and your body horizontal, where everything you're, you're typically doing, like running and anything else, you're usually vertical. So um, it's a different way to, to move your blood and your fluids, as well as the breathing for me. So I do use a lot of swimming. My, my pool here is closed, so I haven't been able to, to swim out here since I moved out here. But it's a great low-impact um, low way to, to get your cardio going. And to me, it mimics some of the grappling.
0: Uh, I swim to survive, because if I don't swim, I'll be drowning, <laughs> and then I try to avoid all of that altogether, because that's a lot of work. Swimming's not easy. If you actually try to, like, and if swim... if you
1: cannot breathe, yeah. it's over. Yeah. It's over, and it's like, people think it's so hard, and it really isn't that... It, it, it's not as hard as it seems, if you can understand the breathing pattern that needs to be done. And once you figure out the breathing pattern, like, I was able to swim. I think I would swim for two hours easy. Just non-stop, back and forth. Really? I don't need to take, yeah. it's, it's wrong it's with nice you? It's nice and chill. it's amazing. It's fun. You get lost. You hear the water swishing and, like, I don't know. It's it's a really, really calm and peaceful way to, to, to work out, honestly. I,
0: I don't think I could float for two hours. I mean, I, I could after I die, probably, but <laughs> Not active. No way. That's <laughs> that's not happening. Crazy. All right. Let's talk about uh, the top five greatest American mixed martial artists of all time. This list was put together by six trusted employees from the UFC Fight Pass team. Neither Pearl or myself were on said team, so we may yeah, or may not we, agree with we it. We
1: should have had like we should have had our own two teams. But in all in all fairness, you know, way more about all of the fighters. Than I, do, so.
0: I, I just like how you're already piling on the team, basically <laughs> suspecting them of being wrong. I like that. I mean, you're probably right. I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all. But uh, let's take a look and see what they say. Number five on our top five greatest MMA American fighters of all time is Randy Couture. No surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's mm-hmm. Captain America, after all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Multiple-time heavyweight and UFC Light heavyweight champion. Randy Couture is the, the prime example, I think, Pearl, of mixed martial arts is a, a sport where, yes, it's a combat sport like boxing, but the records are much different. Randy Couture, uh, you know, doesn't have a, a stellar, aesthetically pleasing record. It's like 16 and 11 or something like that. Uh, but he truly is one of the greatest of all time and on our list, number five.
1: Then, you know, rightfully so. I mean, he what he fought till he was 50 years old. And when you think of early, early UFC, I mean Randy Couture is like the staple of that. He's that. He's that person. So, 100%. He's. I agree with this one. He should I mean, definitely be on this list.
2: And where would we
0: be as far as mixed martial arts and its appeal mm-hmm. in North America if it weren't for? Randy Couture. I mean, you, you look at Randy and Chuck and exactly. that rivalry is, is so important with the Ultimate Fighter uh, Season 1. Like, I I love it. I adore it. I, I think that uh, Randy is in this top 5 not necessarily for what he did pound for pound, victory for victory, but when you look outside of, of his uh, just in-octagon performances, the man is one of the most important uh, mixed martial arts of all time.
1: Agreed. Agreed 100%. We go from number
0: five from Captain America to number four, the American gangster. Of course. Like, can you think of dif- different polar opposites of the spectrum? Like, granted, they were on the same damn team, but Chael Sonnen, he's like the American anti hero. Yes.
1: Yes. The,
0: the best heel I think... ever.
1: Go ahead, keep going.
0: No, I'm just saying the best heel ever, the, the, the bad guy.
1: Yeah, I think that he was a big part, you know, like, when you think about people that, like, really showcase their character and things, you think about, like, a Muhammad Ali, who's not an MMA, but who's the first person that initially comes to mind? It's, like, Chael Sonnen. Right. Chael Sonnen was so awesome at just showing his personality. He did not care whether you liked him or not. He just showed who he was, and I love it. I love love Chael.
0: I I love everything Chael did, sans not giving me my job back at Submission Underground. That, I mean, that's the only thing he ever did wrong in his career. <laughs> but I digress. I'll, I'll let it go. No, Chael. Ch- I mean, I, I, I hate to say, I don't know if Chael would be on this list for me, but I don't hate it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I can ever get my job back or not right now. Uh, you no know, good. like how honest are I? No, no. Chael, you, you belong in the list. You should be number one. I can't wait to see you at the next mission <laughs> underground. Let's go with that.
1: I, I think he's definitely on the list, so I'm glad that he's on there. But
0: but if I can't have my job back, I probably would trade him for someone else who Mike. We'll find out. We'll see if they're on the list or not. I don't know. Let's go okay. to number let's go to All number right. three. Oh, Don Fry. Of course. Laying out here listening to Lenny Hart's introduction. No. Don Fry was a man who captivated an audience in Japan of tens of thousands of people in this arena. And, and again, keep in mind, he's the foreigner here. He's the guy that generally is fighting Japanese fighters. And people aren't necessarily cheering for Don Fry, but they can't help but be drawn in by his magnetism. Again, I don't know if Don Fry is on my top five list, Pearl, but I don't hate him being on the list.
1: I think, what, define your list. Are you looking at accomplishments? Like I think accomplishments,
0: they're... yeah. I, I mean, okay. I think, I think okay. d- like, when you look at some of the people that are not on the list, we'll get there. I don't want to spoil anything. But there are fighters that are not on that, this list that have had much bigger wins than don fry but going back to what we were talking about with randy couture it's not necessarily all about how you performed in the ring or the octagon it's more in my opinion maybe more so in mixed martial arts because it was this counterculture for the longest time it's more about how you represented or elevated the sport and you know when i look at the three athletes we've talked about thus far don fry definitely did that overseas in japan uh you know uh a premier player in the early days of the UFC. Chael Sonnen, one of the best showmen in mixed martial arts. And again, Randy Couture, pivotal and vital to the growth of this sport in North America. So for those reasons, I believe they belong in the list. But for sports only, sporting accomplishments only, I don't think so.
1: See, and that's, when I think of the top five, I think of the impact they've made, like you said. And so it makes sense that these three would be on there because they were, they're just, when you think of early MMA, you cannot not go and think about that without thinking about these fighters. And you remember them for the impact that they made on the sport, not so much, you know, the accomplishments or or how successful they were in the sport, Uh, the way they touched your heart, the way they made you feel like you and them could relate. That's what's important because that's what drew in, you know, the, the viewers,
0: Sorry, I, w- I was reading Twitch questions that we'll get to in a second, and just people are killing me over here, Pearl. Killing me! Um, <laughs> yes, I agree. You, you are probably right. we got two spots left. Uh, I definitely think that the uh, two... Spoiler alert, two men that occupy the top two spots definitely do so more based on their, their sporting uh, accomplishments. Any idea who they might be at number one and number two?
1: No, I thought there would be at least one woman on this list.
0: No. And we can talk about that in a moment, but here we go. Number two, who's it going to be? Daniel Cormier, U.S. Olympian Daniel Cormier. We see him putting it on Volkan Oezdemir here in a uh, title defense. I uh, have no issues whatsoever with Daniel Cormier being uh, on this list. It's kind of interesting when you look at DC. It's like, what do you what do you think is is his biggest accomplishments is it what he did at 205 pounds is it what he did at heavyweight Uh, i think when you weigh both of his sort of uh careers because really he had multiple careers when you think about where he fought and how he fought people yeah it's a no-brainer he's definitely on this list he probably should be right around number one or number two your thoughts on on daniel cormier being number two on our top five greatest american mixed martial artists of all time
1: Yeah, I agree with this. Absolutely. Now, was he one of the first fighters that came with such a high level of of another skill set like he was a gold medalist? Was he one of the first athletes that came over and transitioned into MMA?
0: He was not a gold medalist, which makes me wonder why we haven't seen Henry Cejudo yet. But maybe he's number one. Um, He he definitely is one of the early adopters of high level, uh, modern day high level. What medalist
1: uh, was he? uh,
0: He did not. He did not medal in the Olympics, actually. Um,
1: jeez,
0: no, no, but that makes you kind of scratch your head. Where's Ronda Rousey, bronze medalist? Where's Henry Cejudo? Yeah, I mean that was gold I medalist. Just thought Ronda
1: Rousey, without even thinking about her medal, I just thought about the amount of where's what Sarah she McMahon, did for
0: the silver medalist. You know, Uh granted, I don't think Sarah McMahon belongs on this list, but uh I digress. Uh But no, when you look at Daniel Cormier, I mean, he did everything he really needed to do besides beat Stepen Miocic in their rubber match, and he obviously never fought. John Jones, or beat John Jones, you know? Right. You know, speaking of John Jones, number one. I knew
1: it. Of course.
0: Oh, Mike Goldberg oh, yeah. freaking out I about the Ray that. Lewis. Pearl Gonzalez maybe freaking out about the uh, the, the movement of one John Jones. Like, I, I don't care what you think about John Jones, whether you think he's uh, a good guy, a bad guy, um, someone that you should look up to, someone that you should – tell people not to look up to the bottom line he's the best fighter pound for pound we have ever seen and if we're doing a best american mixed martial artist list well he's american and that's all he needs to do to qualify for this list because he's the greatest man to ever step in the octagon in my opinion like him or hate him you can't deny that i'm sorry if you are it's for other reasons that i think your argument is is largely futile at best
1: Absolutely. I mean, he started so young. He's still such a young man, like, you know, granted, he's a veteran in the sport, but he's still young at age. Right. Right. And um, he was just ahead of the he was ahead of the time of the time of where mixed martial arts was. And he really did help this sport evolve and change and grow um, with with his talents and techniques. And regardless of what was outside of the octagon, you cannot deny who and what he did and what he who he is inside of it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, think about uh, the the crit- the critics of John Jones will say, you know, he's wasted so much. Yeah. He, he's left a lot of money on the table. And he's left performances sort of on the table, you know, throughout his suspensions and and things like that. Think about what would have happened if he. Competed through all of that, like we're talking about John Jones probably having a third of his accomplishments not even realized because you know things kept him away from from fighting. And yeah, again, I, I don't care what you think about John Jones, the human being. You're not going to tell me and, and convince me that he's not the best fighter to ever put on the gloves.
1: Now, would he was would you say he was the first mainstream uh, UFC athlete?
0: Um, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I would say. I mean, if, if we're going to say he's the first mainstream mixed martial artist, then we're going to basically discredit what Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture did on mainstream television with The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I, I don't know. I definitely understand what you're saying, though, in terms of he was one of the first guys to be sponsored by a big company like Nike. Uh, Anderson Silva was that guy as well. As far as uh, mm-hmm. mo- sort of modern-day stars, I, I don't think he reached his highest uh, you know, uh, possible heights because, again— he did have some problems, but John was definitely someone that casual fans started to embrace a, a little bit more than, say, your average uh, high, highly successful mixed martial artist for sure.
1: I mean, and just think about it. You know, you keep mentioning the things we all know, like, you know, whatever he did outside of the octagon and still is the greatest of all time with those. like that shows how talented he really is despite his decisions he made that are counter, is it counterproductive or counterintuitive? What counter, of yeah,
0: I mean, really kind of both counterintuitive, you know, okay. his decisions were counterintuitive and ultimately the results were counterproductive.
1: Right. And, and, and regardless of what those decisions that he made, I mean, he still, every time he stepped in there displayed greatness and, and, and showcased how talented of a, a, a man and athlete that he really is. Can I just say it's
0: awesome how much you and I, like, tag team words. Like, you don't know what they mean. I kind of help you know what they mean. You you invent words all the time. I like, do.
1: They sound good. If they sound good, you know, and you did teach me a long time ago. It doesn't matter. I just sound confident. So right, I just make exactly.
0: it sound good. And, and, again, Pearl, if people just, you know, fall in love with you on on the screen, like, apparently they are on Twitch right now, then you could literally <laughs> just be making noises and, and no one will care. <laughs> Uh, look, looking at our uh, Twitch stream, getting some uh, some questions, and uh, uh, Raging Stauner says, imagine getting Pearl on and not putting her full screen for the entire time. Sorry. Sorry I put on video clips. <laughs> you know, like, what do you want from me? Um, let's see here. Prime Gaming... Velshi, I think that's how you say it. Uh, TJ, what do you think about uh, Marino dismantling uh, the God of War and Figueroa? Um, I mean, Brandon Moreno, uh, he's Marino. He's such a uh, important figure for Mexican mixed martial arts now, being the first Mexican-born UFC champion. Such a nice kid. I've had a chance to meet him and interview him and, and talk to him at combat jiu-jitsu events in the past. Um, you know, I interviewed him uh, with Bruce Buffer a couple weeks ago after he won the title. Like. He, He's just one of those guys. Like, I never really want to see anyone win or lose Pearl. Like, I try to remain as unbiased as possible. But when you understand and get to know some of these people, I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel good about Brandon Moreno getting his hand raised and getting a belt wrapped around his waist because he's one of those kids that, you know, he, he's just, he fights the good fight, fights for good reasons, and, you know, it, it, that hard work is paying off.
1: I mean, even if you look past all of that, right, And you look at that first performance, that first fight, which was unforgettable. The greatest flyweight championship
0: fight of all time, in my opinion.
1: Exactly. And then six months later, the changes that he made, the improvements that he made, and then the performance that he put on six months later, there's no denying his skill set and who he is as a fighter. So his ability to improve that drastically in such a short time 6 months right is insane so yeah. you it's hard to you cannot deny him whether you like him as a person or not it just regardless i mean he is he's one of the sweetest ufc fighters there really is i love the picture that they've been that's been floating around of him and ngano which is like totally his personality he really is i've trained with him he's such a nice respectful man but regardless of all of that if you look at just the skill set it's crazy. It's crazy. The, the changes that he made, the improvements and, and the performance that he put on that second time around. There was no denying that he, he is the best flyweight in the world.
0: No, um, 100 you know, the, percent. The dominance, you know, the question uh, from Twitch was, what do I think about his dismantling? That's truly what it was like. I did not expect him to like I thought he could win the fight. I did not expect him to come out and get a stoppage in the way that he did. And It's almost reminiscent of the first fight carrying over into the second fight. And I'm a big believer in momentum. But we saw the momentum start to shift towards Moreno in the first fight, towards the latter part of it. And it just carried all the way through into that uh, second fight where he ultimately got the stoppage. Uh, amazing stuff for the assassin baby. The best nickname, I think, uh, out there, by the way. Uh, same uh, person on uh, Twitch wants to know, Pearl, what products do you uh, use in your hair? Uh, it looks amazing, and I can't seem to find that perfect solution. I, I definitely cannot talk about this. So tell us tell us
1: your secrets. Oh my god. I use um Auntie Annie's and it's the pretzel like, company? No, no it's called uh. okay, maybe yeah, it's Auntie Annie's and it is it doesn't have like phosphorus, it doesn't, it's non-toxic basically. And um, I use this honey curl. It's a, a Miss Jenny's, a honey curl. The key is you um, brush your hair in the shower with the with the um, conditioner in so you make sure you get all your, your kinks out and then you rinse your hair with cold water and then you, you, me, I keep my products in my shower so that as soon as I, I'm done rinsing my conditioner out I put in and I have this like honey stuff that smells phenomenal like my hair always smells so good but um, yeah, and then I put my hair products in I scrunch it a little bit and then I just let it dry and this is, this is what it does uh, I
0: use Bic if you're curious that's what i
1: <laughs> do you use shaving cream
0: uh i do yeah yeah i have to okay, otherwise it's yeah, it's oh it's it's really bad by the way i, I should uh, not uh, undersell our twitch question um the, the it was yeah, not it was that's not, an
1: important question
0: but it was also from a different person it was from a uh, behawks 420 which i assume behawks stands for blackhawks which i believe are in chicago Chi-town. and of course yes i don't want to deny that uh, chicago love um, nice. oh, speaking of love We got more love for Pearl Gonzalez This is from Gorilla Glue Stew Hell yeah juice box for the win Because it looks like You're drinking a juice box over there is Oh true? Yeah,
1: yeah yeah I'm like wait what Yeah yes. what are you drinking
0: over there like, Apple juice it's, or something it's
1: er- No it's organic king coconut water But it isn't a juice box
0: That's the most un-American thing I think I've ever heard <laughs> Joey Chestnut coming up in a little bit, by the way. Uh, you want to talk about uh, American and, and Americana. Um, another question from a Twitch, this from Velshi. Um, do you think Usman is the best welterweight to do it? Also, how do you think um, Colby versus Usman 2 pans out? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to not bet on the side of of – Kamara Usman at this point, I mean the fact that he knocked out uh, Jorge Masvidal says uh, a lot about his uh, let's use the Pearl Gonzalez word evolvement as a mixed yes. martial artist. Um, but but also too, uh, you know, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that he's on track to maybe be the best welterweight to ever do it. But at this point, I'm sorry, George St. Pierre is the greatest welterweight of all time, and Usman's gonna have to probably put two or three more title defenses together before I'm even going to entertain him being on that level yet and and maybe that's just sort of like fan bias in me because gsp was doing it you know a long time ago when i was just this hardcore mma nerd but i also think that the division was a lot different in in the way that uh like usman already has the most wins in welterweight history in the ufc but those wins today are different than when, say, uh, George St. Pierre was fighting guys like Frank Trigg and Sean Shirk and Matt Hughes and BJ Penn. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that Usman's definitely tracking that way, but not yet.
1: Well, I think um, you, you're definitely right. And one thing that you can never take away, it doesn't matter moving forward, because there there are. There, that's what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to see better athletes. We're supposed to see the sport evolve and and you know these better and more incredible athletes do things that it shouldn't have been done but you can never take away from who did it first and 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 yes like you're saying I agree with you there with the GSP but back to the question of Colby I I 100% agree I do think that Usman right now his confidence level right now his his work ethic where he's at mentally the performances that he's putting together I mean he's been he's been you know consistent yeah. in the, in the octagon. He's, he's been training hard. He's not taking breaks. He takes his, he takes his training and his camps very seriously. If, if I don't know if you watched, but I think it was the last fight or maybe the fight prior. He said he was finally sitting down to enjoy a beer. And he said, right when he was getting ready to drink this beer, he had tackles and a beer. And right when he went to drink this beer, he got a call from his management saying, Hey, we got this fight. And he said, I didn't even drink the beer. Because it was, it's fight time. He's that disciplined. He's that committed to being the best in the world. Now, we can't... Who knows? You never know, really, whether or not Colby as You can't compare. But that is not one thing that Colby shows us today on his social media. He also hasn't fought as, as much as Usman has. Right. Or the level of competitors. That Usman, the amount of time, the minutes that he's getting inside this octagon against these incredible athletes. Like, it, it's hard to, you cannot deny that he's getting better. He is improving. And his confidence is just growing. And, you know, Usman is one of those guys that I don't know if he needs to 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 perform well, but he he feels like he doesn't get the respect that that he deserves. He never quite feels like people respect him. And I don't understand that, because he's an amazing man. I I kind of feel like he's
0: the one that's perpetuating that, though, Pearl, because he's the first person to be like, put respect on my name. I don't know who disrespects you, Kamaro. Not me. You know, like you're the, you're the best yeah. in the world right now at 170 pounds. But I think that is something that he sort of needs to drive right. him. And, and he utilizes exactly. it well. But drink the damn beer. Eat the taco. You deserve it, man. No, like,
1: he doesn't win. But that's how committed he is. And how I do you deny an athlete that is that committed, that is that, that focused, that is that driven, to be the best, that he will sacrifice everything, everything to be the best. And that is what really separates these athletes from good to greats. I mean, and um, it's that, hard that, to deny that. So
0: that's what separated me from greatness. Pearl tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Got in the way, you know,
1: that is so good. Tacos, huh? Wasn't hot dogs?
0: No, no. I, I, I like a good taco, to be honest with you. You see now. Th- again a hot dog? We are giving them way too much ammunition right now, (laughs) way too much. Like, why do you like I blame you? Our last topic before we get out of here, we're talking about, uh, you know, Americana. Um, You know, we we talked about Olympic medals a little bit, by the way. Henry Cejudo belongs on the list. Uh, Ronda Rousey belongs in the list. Dan Henderson belongs on the list of top five greatest American mixed martial artists. All three of them uh, were Olympians. Holly Holm. Holly Holm might very well belong on that list, but uh, I digress. Let's talk about Olympics real quick before we get you out of here. We got some guests coming up. Do you see a future where mixed martial arts is an Olympic sport? I, I know there are a lot of hurdles that would prevent maybe that um, sort of uh, you know playing out the way that you would want it to. Uh, ultimately, right now, the Olympics for the the sport of mixed martial arts is in the ultimate fighting championship. But if it was an amateur based sport or even a sport that allowed pros, but was much more like a boxing type event, would you ever foresee this being adopted to the Olympics?
1: 100%. And maybe not right away, but absolutely. I mean, mixed martial arts to me, in my opinion is the greatest sport. And especially last year being the only consistent sport and the levels that mixed martial arts grew last year alone—it's hard to deny that this is this is one of the best and most popular sports in the world today, and it's only growing. I mean, you see, you see three-year-olds. You're seeing two-year-olds that are competing. Like, wait till this. Wait five years. Let's see where this sport is in five years. You know, it's only going to continue to grow and evolve. And so, I do. I believe that it it, it should be in the Olympics. Um. And- And I hope it does. I really do, because the career an MMA career is so short, you know, unfortunately, and sometimes these great athletes don't necessarily make it to the professional level. And so it would be really nice to to have that Olympic to have that the Olympics um, for mixed martial arts. And I do think it will eventually be there.
0: I went down a rabbit hole and like tried to put together the American team. And, and I because we have limited time, I only did lightweight through uh, heavyweight on the men's side and then uh, strawweight through bantamweight on the women's side. But are you ready to see my 2021 U.S. Olympic mixed martial arts team?
1: Oh, I love it. Yes. Let me see.
0: All right. Here we go. This is the men's side of things. Uh, representing at heavyweight, it's Stipe Miocic. You might want to say John Jones because he's vacated his light heavyweight championship, but we're putting Johnny Bones at light heavyweight to hold it down because we're definitely winning gold if John is, is fighting at 205 pounds. Mm-hmm. Stipe's got a very good chance at heavyweight. Middleweight, I went with Derek Brunson, who if you look at the UFC's uh, rankings right now, he's not the highest American middleweight uh, that is ranked. That belongs to Jared Cannonier, but I like Derek Brunson in that spot. Welter weight. I like Colby Covington uh, and then lightweight. I I was tempted to go with Dustin Poirier, but I went with Justin Gaethje because I just think that if he were to have to fight multiple times over the course of a week, there's no one that is more prepared to do it than the human highlight in Justin Gaethje. So that is the men's side uh, for me. If you also uh, saw the list, I got got alternates and everything. I I got too crazy in this. Heavyweight uh, alternate, uh, Derek Lewis, uh anthony smith as the uh, light heavyweight alternate alternate uh, middleweight alternate uh, jared cananier a uh, wonder boy at welterweight and then uh, dustin poirier as i mentioned at lightweight uh you know I, I just think right now if this were an actual thing he'd be too wrapped up with the uh the connor fight let's take a look at the uh, women's side of things um Bantamweight, i went with aspen ladd uh i like uh lauren murphy as the flyweight representative And then Rose Namajunas as a weight, And we all know that dynasties and championships are built around coaching staffs. And uh, let's check out our coaches and our captains. Head coach Ray Longo, of course. Assistant coach Dean Thomas. And your captains would be polar opposites of the spectrum. Rose Namajunas and Colby Covington. Uh, I I can't imagine a a more odd couple as captains of the U.S. Olympic team. But uh, I think it'd be fun.
1: Okay, well, here is my response to that. This is bullshit. Why didn't I get the, no- the notification that I needed to create my own Olympic team? You just made your own Olympic team, and you didn't even include me and allow for me to make my own Olympic team.
0: Okay, so first, I told you the show was tomorrow. when actually, it was today, so sorry. Uh, I'm not very good at communicating. Second, the Olympics are coming up, so we can have you unveil your Olympic team when the Olympics are actually happening. See? that That's thats why I did it that way.
1: Okay. I'll accept that Thank for you. now.
0: Thank you. I thought you were going to be mad at me that I didn't put you <laughs> as the, the flyweight representative.
1: No, I want to make my own team. Like, where's Tatiana Suarez on here?
0: S- yeah. I didn't say I was smart. I just did it. Sorry, Pearl. Yeah,
1: yeah I want to make my own team.
0: You can put together the real team when we do it. Okay? Okay.
1: Now It doesn't have to be the real team it can be your team versus my team and then we can have a little poll
0: and see who wins you always win polls <laughs> i don't want to play that game anymore we know how that works out you win i lose
1: <laughs> you never know you never know
0: no i do know i'm like zero and three in polls and i was right every time
1: <laughs> oh that's so good
0: all right um you and i next time we do this show i think we might be looking at each other in the face in the fight capital of the yeah. world
1: yeah uh, I'm really excited, and it'll be after the big holiday too
0: Yeah, keep it locked to uh, the Fight Pass Twitter Our accounts, at TJ DeSantis, at Pearl Gonzalez uh, We'll tell you what's going on the week of uh, UFC 264 A lot of uh, exciting things By the way, congratulations, I hope your hands don't hurt
1: No, they're good, they're, uh, the swelling's gone down I just have bruising, you can see the bruising in my arms now But uh, the swelling's gone down, I'm, I'm good, I'm good to go Have you had a Thank beer and a taco yet? Oh, uh, I did. But, you know, I have kind of been back. I've been back on my diet. I don't I, and I, I went back to the gym on Monday morning and uh, I'm just back to work. Um, but I do get to go. I'm going to Puerto Rico for the 4th of July, which is really nice. So I'll spend spend some time out there and, and maybe get a couple days off. I'm gonna do some photo shoots and stuff. But uh, no, yeah, as, as long as my I can't hit anything yet. So I can only lift weights right now and sprint and, and do, you know, shadow boxing. But I'm just I want to get back to work. So
0: I can't hit anything either, but it's not for lack of effort. It's just I'm not very good at it, so I feel okay. (laughs) Pearl, travel safe, and uh, we'll talk to you really soon.
1: Happy 4th of July, everyone. TJ, have a great holiday. Wish your family a good holiday as well for me.
0: The 3rd of July is my 11th uh, wedding anniversary, too, so I got to get on that as well. Happy
1: anniversary. Thank you. You better get her some flowers at least. If she's a chocolate lover, she better have some like she better wake up to these things too. It's not go to the store and get them on the anniversary. It's have them ready. And here's another little tip that might. Help Are you, you yelling at Maybe me right do, now? Because I just, I just, you need to get on it. But this right. is important. Okay. Okay. The other thing is, I think you should do post its and do little post its on the mirror, so then she wakes up and just put little nice things i love you you're beautiful this maybe a favorite memory and just do like a couple little post-its on the mirror so that, that when she wakes up and goes to the bathroom and looks in the mirror that's what she sees and she remembers
0: she just tells right, me to buy me myself something like i don't want to do all that for her and then she's not gonna do anything for me
1: it's a lot of work too get over it all right, listen fine. yeah
0: i get it I'm, I'm gonna make sure you never have my wife's phone number if she heard this she would feel so entitled to this crap it's nonsense
1: yeah, do it. That's why. And so she's not expecting it. And oh, my God, it's going to be like the best day ever for her. Gentlemen, take notes.
0: All right. I think, I think uh, our anniversary gift for her is that I'm leaving town next week. I think that's really what it is. So. <laughs> I'll see you in Vegas, Pearl.
1: I'll see you in Vegas.
0: There she is. Pearl Bye. Gonzalez joining us on Extra Rounds. Again, Fight Capital of the World, UFC 264 going down. Woo. Poirier versus McGregor 3. We got things up our sleeves and uh, can't wait to fill you in on all of it uh still a lot yet to go here on extra rounds gonna be joined by a pair of houston astros as carlos correa and lance mccullers jr talk about mixed martial arts with me we'll be joined by the hit king pete rose talk about what he's got going on and joey chestnut as well so you know what let's start with uh let's start with pete rose why not it's extra rounds on ufc fight pass this to be joined now by the all-time hit leader uh, it's the man that Pretty much is the only man who has more hits than, say, the Beatles or any other recording artist. But <laughs> <laughs> it it's Pete Rose. Pete, how are you, sir?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, how's your day going?
0: Very good, very good. It's uh, it's an honor to have you. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, baseball, big fan of your career and what you did. Uh, you know, for for a lot of years uh, in the bigs, and now you're actually uh, still involved with baseball, but from a different sort of aspect. You're obviously a, a student of the game, fan of the game, one of the the greatest all time to ever do it. But you're also analyzing games and and doing some picks. And apparently, you're on a, you're on quite a
3: streak right now, like a, over seventy percent accuracy with uh, with your game picks. Well, seventy percent is pretty good, and uh, we got off to a slow start, believe it or not. But uh, these baseball games uh, are hard to figure out, and of course, we give hockey picks and basketball picks because, as you know, during the pandemic, all I did is watch TV and watch sports, and and I've always been involved in watching baseball games, at least two a day, and all I'm doing is is loaning uh, my knowledge of what I know about baseball to people. That, that can, uh, you know, follow my picks. And if you do 70%, that's pretty darn good here. I live in Vegas and not many handicappers, so to right. speak, uh, do, uh, do 70%.
0: I, yeah, I don't think people realize that percentage. It's, it's similar to baseball and the idea of, you know, if you uh, can hit, you know, one out of three uh, at-bats, you're you're a Hall of Famer. Um, some guys, some well, guys. right? Some guys, some guys.
3: But <laughs> okay. I, I, I will say
0: this, I will say this, you know, a lot of handicappers, they're happy with 50%, you know, 49%.
3: Like, it's it's very hard to even be 50-50, uh, you know, betting, well, you, betting. You need to let it look. We do, it. you know, we do a lot of research. And this is not just – I picked this game, this game, this game. game. I mean, you know, my son works with me, and we got to know who the pitchers are, uh, who's injured or not injured on the team. Do they play good on the road? Do they play good at home? So this this is a full-time job to pick these games, and I hope people understand that because we're eliminating players that don't have to do their homework. They just rely on us picking the games. And so far, we've been pretty successful, and we hope to get better, but you need a little luck. That's your gambling is luck. It's all about luck. Okay. You can have good luck and win a lot of games. You can have bad luck. You know, a lot of games we'll, we'll pick the run line and the team will win by one. So we lost by a half a run. Right. So, you know, that's some of our losses too. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit of luck. I feel like there's momentum involved as well, and nobody knows that better than you. I mean, you had a 44-game uh, hit streak. What, what is it about momentum in sports or even picking games where it feels like once you're hot, you can kind of
3: ride that wave a little bit? Yeah, you can. It, like, like a couple of weeks ago, uh, who was it? Uh, what team was it? They lost 18 or 19 straight road games. How does a big league team lose 19 straight road games? That's pretty crazy. I don't. I don't know how they do that. I mean, how can you be that bad? And you, you know, you follow. There's some really bad teams in baseball. Yeah. And there's some good teams in baseball, but there's more bad teams in baseball than there are good teams. I think you'll agree with that. One hundred
0: percent. I yeah, think and these good teams of these, all sports, you can probably be the worst
3: in in baseball and still yeah. you know, be a team. Honestly. Yeah, because there's thirty teams, and I, I would say probably. Uh, I might be stretching it. There's probably 10 teams out of the 30 realistically have a chance. They could say they could win the world series and maybe that's stretching it. You know, you understand what I'm saying? You know who good teams are. We don't have to sit here and knock, uh, knock the the bad teams because they know they're bad and it's just the way it is. And everybody, but uh, the problem I have with that is it doesn't seem like a lot of guys are really worried about what their team does they're worried about how many damn home runs they can hit. Right. They don't care how many times they strike out. You know, it's just they're like extra, roof. extra inning games. You put a guy on second. Yeah. When's the last time you saw somebody bunt that guy over to third? The last time I checked, even though it was one out, it's got to be easier to score from third than uh, to score from second. 100%. Because, That's this logic. First of all, the infield's coming in. Now 300 hitters becomes 400 hitters. Okay. Everybody's on their toes. The outfield has got to pull it. I mean, just, but they just won't, they won't sacrifice, and get the guy over to third. I don't understand it. I'm trying to put myself as a manager. Right. You know, if I want a guy on third with less than two outs. You got a good chance of scoring. And if you score, you can win the game, especially if you're at home. I mean, I grew up watching
0: the Minnesota Twins. I'm a big fan of of small ball. You know, small ball is is uh, you know a way to uh, compete with some of those bigger teams. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's a bit of a lost art when when you look at it. Um, you know, looking at your uh, picks, uh, people can follow along at upictrade.com. We actually have a, a bit of a deal if they use the promo code extra they I get 25% off that first month subscription. So, uh, you know, don't just uh, sit here and listen to Pete talk about how great his picks are. Uh, go follow them. Uh, well, you're not
3: going to go broke by signing up for UPIC. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and if you follow us and we do a good job for you, then, you know, you'll probably want to step up your bet. That's just the way okay. it is. The proof is I mean, in the book. Hey, I live right across. There's Aria right there. There's Mandalay Bay. There's seizures. You know, I'm in Vegas. So uh, I read I read other guys' picks every day. And uh, there's there's some good guys to pick. There's some good guys that make a living picking. Uh, but there again, uh, we put a lot of work into this. And we're just, all we're trying to do is help guys that gamble. Have winners. That's right. all we're trying to do. We're not sitting here and telling you we're going to do eighty or ninety percent. Right. But if you follow us and we we religiously do seventy percent, you got a good chance of making some money. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, again, like I, the the base. I don't know if we're going to pick uh, Conor McGregor or not. I haven't got that far yet.
0: Well, I was just going to ask. I mean, you're in the fight capital of the world, and, no, you know, you get yeah. a huge fight coming up. Uh, it is the rubber match between uh, Poirier and-, and McGregor. Obviously, you live
3: there in Vegas. Do you feel that the city and-, and town change at all come big fight weeks? Oh, yeah, when the big fights come in, yeah. the the, the Like, the town's loaded right now, but uh, mm-hmm. this is a fight Capital of the world, right here. And I don't know what happened to Connor the last six, seven, eight months. He just—he—he—he he, he don't seem to have the flair that he—that he, that he right. used to have. Do you agree with that?
0: I mean, I think that uh, you know, we talk about momentum. There's a lot of momentum on the side of Dustin Poirier here. But I mean, if I've learned anything uh, in my time covering mixed martial arts, it's, it's not to count out Connor. But I'd be lying, Pete, if I said that Dustin Poirier wasn't, in my mind, a sizable favorite to, to win this fight coming up here in July
3: 10. And, and Connor, he, he got the big money, too. I mean, right. you've sure. always got to look at these athletes. Some of them don't care. Some of them do care. When a guy gets a big contract, it's just like right there this year. Mookie Betts, he's a really good player. You, right. know, you agree with that? Oh, 100%. He, he's not earning the money he, he signed for. And the Dodgers are struggling. Yeah. The Dodgers are struggling scoring runs. And that's because Mookie's hitting under 250 or 260. I mean, you can't make three or four hundred million dollars and hit 240 or 260 unless you've got 80 home runs. Right. I mean, so everybody has got to be accounted for. And, and these guys are giving out these big contracts and some guys, the contract don't bother. Other guys, you know, they, they don't worry because they're going to get the money. Right. When think about baseball contracts. You know this. If you sign a three hundred million dollar contract, you are going to get the three hundred million. It might take some time. But you don't have to do doodly squat and you still get the 300 million. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like an NFL contract. You know, those uh, those deals don't work out uh,
3: all that well all that often. I never met a baseball player that got a multi year contract that the money wasn't guaranteed. Right. It's not the same in football and basketball. You got guys now in basketball making 40, 43 million. I think Chris Paul makes 43 million a year. Yeah. That's a lot of gravy. Right. And, I mean, you talk about Conor, bringing it back to
0: him, it's, it's, it's hunger. You know, if you are not hungry, you, you don't go out there and, and perform quite as well. There's something to be said about, uh, you know, uh, uh, an athlete, anybody, you know, whether it's stick and ball sport athlete or, or combat sport athlete, trying to make a name for themselves because that first initial run up to whether it be a championship or right. uh, just that right. first big payday, I mean, the desire is through the roof. I remember
3: my first 16 years in the major leagues, 16 years, I operated on one-year contracts. So in 65, I got paid for what I did in 64. 74, I got paid for what I did in 73. And when you're in that situation, you're trying to have a good year every year to get a raise. Yeah. And then when I went to Philadelphia, I signed a a five-year contract and become the highest paid player in sports. But my first four years in Philadelphia, okay, I'm 30, 39, 40, 41, and 42. I did not miss a game. I did not miss a game in baseball my first four years as a Philadelphia Philly. That's crazy. Now uh, you guys are just taking the game off because they they cough, you know? Well, I would never take games off in the 60s and 70s because my goal was to get 100, 200 hits, hit 300, score 100 runs. And if I could hit 40 doubles, hit 40 doubles. I wouldn't worry about home runs because I wasn't a home run hitter. Right. Yeah, I almost got as many triples as I did home runs. I got 140 triples, 160 home runs. But I'm going to tell you that, and I could be wrong about this. If I was playing today, I'd be a 25 home run guy because of the ballparks today. They're, they're band boxes. Some of these ballparks are jokes. Cincinnati's a joke. Philadelphia is a joke. The new ballpark in Atlanta. Yankee Stadium in right center. Right. Okay. I mean, the new ballpark in Atlanta, the ball flies out of there. Guys, ought to, they ought to pay to go to the ball game today because the parks make it easy to hit home runs. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to look at how the
0: game has changed. I mean, uh, the the amount of home runs a couple of years ago was just bananas. Um, we, we have seen some changes in pitching, though. And, and recently, I think uh, it's been, uh, you know, really out front and center about, uh, you know, uh, questionable substances on these pitchers' hands. And, and we've seen some questions about that. What are your thoughts on that?
3: I don't you know. I don't know what baseball is trying to do. I mean, it seems like the last ten years, every time baseball changes a rule, it don't help it don't make the game more exciting for me and you as fans. Right. You know, you can't break up a double play, you can't slide into home, you can't pitch inside. I mean, you can't do anything in baseball. You know, put a man on second to start an next or inning game. I, what, what the hell is that all about? I hate it. The one thing baseball should concentrate on, and they don't seem to try to make any progress, speed up the games. Right. The games are too long, okay? Every pitch, readjust your glove. You know, the batting glove is loose. Every pitch you step out. I mean, it's just amazing. I don't know. If you watch baseball like I do, and I think you probably do. Most of the runs in baseball, okay, this is a fact, is 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 are scored in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning, because only the really good teams have good middle relief pitching. Right? What are middle relief pitchers? They're guys that aren't good enough to close and they're not good enough to start, but yep. they have to be on their rosters. Okay, everybody's got starting rotation, everybody's got a closer, but not many teams have good middle relief pitchers because it's hard to get statistics to get. Uh, your, your salary raised if you're a middle relief pitcher. Okay, you you follow the game, watch how many runs are scored at sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. You'll yeah, be a, I mean, you'll I, be
0: amazed. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's prop bets that I can uh, try to cash in on there as well. So maybe
3: I'll have to do that. Um, you know, well, give, hell, we got we got places here that you can bet to Mars not Saturday, and they'll give you two to one. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm coming up there for this big uh,
0: Poirier and and McGregor fight, so maybe I'm gonna I'll have. Enjoy to You'll have
3: fun. You'll have fun for sure.
0: Uh, Pete, uh, g- real quick question for you. Are you going to go to the fights? You, have you been to any fights? Are you going to go back to the fight? Oh, yeah,
3: I've been in fights, but I don't know if I'm going to this one coming up because, uh, you know, Dana's a friend of mine and uh, he does a good job. I mean, uh, that, that UFC boy, they they've taken over TV. Yeah. I mean, they, they know how to sell a fight. 100%. And, uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, you know, I can be a mile from where the fight is. I'm, the new uh, football stadium is nine tenths of a mile on the same side of the street I'm on. T-Mobile Arena. W- when they score a goal, I can hear the horn go off sitting oh, that's in the That's it truth. I mean, that, that's we're gonna, not, not going to have any more ho- horns go off because they blew to Montreal last night. That that just killed this sure. town.
0: Yeah, but that's one thing that I love. You know, Vegas is a sports city. For the longest time, you know, gambling and sports, they, they were forbidden. And now it's like, I, I feel like they're, I mean, it's not an official relationship because they're still at an arm's reach. But anybody that knows anything knows that gambling only helps sports. And sports, yeah. you know, is, is, you know, the reason gambling is such a huge business.
3: I had a fun day about two and a half weeks ago. I went out to the complex and I talked to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. There was the last day of the spring camp. There was ninety of them and twelve coaches. and uh, I give an inspirational speech. John Gruden's a, he's the best man. He's the best. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm going to uh, Texas Am to talk to that team. So, you know, I mean, I'm spreading the word. I'm very positive, as you could tell. You know, I had to be positive to play like I did. Right. okay and, I, and i'm I'm ticklish about working hard. And being on time and, and respecting your teammates, respecting your town, respecting the team you play for, respecting your owner who's paying you. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into being an athlete. And uh, the more you make them aware of it, the better off they are. Charlie Hustle wasn't just a nickname when you were a player. You're still living by that motto, Pete. Well, you, you, I'm the way I am. I'm aggressive, I'm positive, and I'm a winner. I mean, that's what you want from your athletes. You want them to be positive and you want them to be positive and you want them to be a winner. And I can talk about that because I'm the biggest winner in the history. I'm not tooting my own horn now. I'm just telling you the truth. Right. I was lucky enough to play in 1900, 1972 winning baseball games. That's 200 more than the guy second. And, and the guy that was second was a guy named Carl Uskrimski, who pretty good player himself. One hundred percent. You know, there's a fine line
0: between uh, confidence and and cockiness. And that line is generally success. And Pete, a few have been uh, as successful. No one's really been more successful than yourself. And
3: uh, I was was so lucky, man. I I hung around. I hung around with 11 Hall of Famers as my teammates. That's pretty good company. when, When you hang around Hall of Famers, you have a winning attitude. You are a positive person. We didn't have trouble. We didn't have time. For people to be negative, okay, or people not worry about winning. Because right. let me tell you something, and, and people don't understand this. The only reason you, you play sports of any kind, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, is to win. Right. You don't play for fun. You play to win. Right. And the, better, the sooner you get that attitude, the better off you're going to be. There's nothing more fun than winning. That's it. That's it. Al Davis said it win, baby. There you, there
0: you go. All right, Pete, we're going to let you get back to uh, breaking down the games. But again, all of our listeners can go to uh, uh sign up, use that promo code extra rounds, 25% off that first month. We'll uh, pick you some winners, big guy. Awesome, Pete. Appreciate the time, sir. Best of luck moving forward
3: with the Thank season you. and we'll chat soon. See you when you come out for the fight.
0: We're back here on Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis now being joined by one of the greatest American athletes alive. It is Joey Chestnut getting ready for this uh, huge competition coming up on the 4th of July. It's the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Uh, I mean, there are rivalries in sports, Yankees, Red Sox, and mixed martial arts. You might say Sakuraba versus Gracie, but in competitive eating, it is Kobayashi and Chestnut. And I'm not lying, Joey, you own this very you know, significant piece of Americana when I say you're one of the greatest American athletes maybe not traditional athletes you're not like a Michael Jordan but you're someone who occupies greatness in in American sports do, do you feel that do you get that love and adoration that I think you rightfully deserve
2: it's uh you know it um uh, a little bit it, I, and I'm surprised when I first started this everybody was like oh my god it's just uh it's a weird talent but it, as the years have gone by it, it's it's part of it's part of Americana Fourth of July, hot dogs, and uh, the fact that I, I'm able to hold it down every year. People, uh, even even I even I have to admit, like when I when I when I first started doing it, I was like, it's just an eating contest. But uh, after the years have gone by, it's like, all right, it's an eating contest. Uh, but it, it, but you know, it, it, it's Fourth of July and it's a big one, and it, it's a, I'm measuring myself against everybody else, yeah. and uh, so 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 I it's become kind of a big deal. And I I just have to sometimes like, oh my
4: God, I can't believe it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to like be uh, completely in the dark and clueless and be like, oh, we invented hot dogs because we did not. You know, the hot dog is not an American uh, necessarily an in, in invention. But I will say there's something about that date, the 4th of July in hot dogs. Pretty much every red-blooded American grew up, uh, you know, eating hot dogs on the 4th of July. And it, it, it felt odd that we didn't have an american hot dog eating winner on that fourth of july what was it like when you you know went in there and, and started to sort of size yourself up like when did you know that you had the ability to dethrone the greatest of all time in kobayashi
2: oh it was weird my, my little brother he signed me up for my first contest when i was 21 and right when i got on the stage the first time i realized this is my i was made for it i i uh, i loved every bit of it like getting on stage eating not holding back. My whole life, I, I feel like I was holding back. Like like during the week, I would have to eat really really healthy so that I could eat eat at my parents' house, eat, eat whatever I wanted there because I, I had to hold back in, in regular regular life. And uh, <laughs> fi- finally, I, I found this outlet, and uh, I, I was able to not only not not have to hold back, but then I could beat the heck out of these other guys and girls who uh, who thought they were they they thought they had it. And uh, there's nothing better than beating somebody who thinks who thinks they can that uh, thinks that they're a winner and uh i I, I, I'm, I, I just fell in love with it and I, so I was 21 and it just I was like oh my god I, I, I have to beat kobayashi and uh and when I was 23 I ended up beating him and uh and beating him again and it was, it was just then that rivalry was awesome and it, it's uh a competition a weird thing it, it's uh you you measure yourself and sometimes sometimes you, you got it sometimes you don't and it's uh it, it's a rivalry like that really—it uh, it changes you. It really pushes your limits.
0: I mean, it really you know raises the stakes in a way where it's like you know what, so what? Like no offense, like so what? You you want a hot dog eating contest? But it's like it's not just winning a hot dog eating contest it's who you beat and how you beat them and that's what really elevates the stakes and that's what makes i think sports sports because any i mean it's just a baseball game but if it's the world series it's not just a baseball game it's just a hot dog eating contest but you know the 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 quality of of competition definitely says a lot i want to go into your mindset though when you are competing because joey it doesn't look fun it looks violent it looks like you are not in a very happy place when you're competing
2: Oh, absolutely. It's a, uh, I, I, I get into the contest or I, I, I'm in a mode where, where I'm willing to accept being uncomfortable, willing to accept being really, really, uh, I, I'm preparing myself because my body's going to tell me I'm full and I have to tell it, no, you're not full. And, it, and it's the same way as, I mean, anybody who's pushing their body to a silly, crazy limit, whether it's a marathon runner or a fighter, it, they're ignoring these weird, these, these natural feelings that your body, all these things your body's telling you, and uh, I, I have to be going there, knowing, all right, I'm not, I'm not going in this just to eat. Uh, I'm going in there not just, to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stop when, when, when I'm full. I'm, I'm going to stop after the time's over, and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, at number one or, or with more than anybody else. And uh, so, it, so there's the yeah, the mentality going into it. it it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm prepared. For uh, it, it, it's yeah, I feel I'm prepared to feel like garbage for two days because that's what's what's gonna happen. Because when I eat that much food, food, I, I'm bloated and i um, it takes a long time to, to recover. And uh, so so it, it, it's 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 uh yeah, when, once anybody will, is willing to accept that uh that they're gonna feel like garbage, they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're, they're gonna be able to push themselves, or they're not, or they're not gonna do it at all
0: know yeah, that's what I was just thinking about too. Like you, you talk about the competition, obviously you have your, you know, other competitors that you're competing against, but this has got to be as much of an internal battle as anything else because like you said, your body is telling you like, "Look, dude, like we're done eating. We don't need to eat anymore." Yet you're still, you know, cramming food down. Like it, it, are you your biggest competitor on, you know, competition day?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it it's it's easy for me to get in my own head. Uh, to get lazy, find reasons to to start slow, uh, and it, it, there's that that laziness. It, 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 it it'll sneak up on you. It's like, oh, uh, you're saving energy for later, but really, you're you're just being lazy in the beginning. And, it, and then there's not, so you try to find excuses. But uh, I, I uh, yeah, it. it I, I am my biggest competitor, it, whether it's with practice and trying trying to get out of practice, or or when I'm cheating on my diet. Uh, but it, the day of the contest, uh, I, I do depend on competition. I, I love hearing that the guys next to me the first, are, are, are doing well. And it, it gives me a reason to keep pushing. Um, and, and, and the audience is pushing me. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's a mental game. It, and, right. and the way I train naturally is once I get the food down, to digest it, I know I'm capable of doing it a little bit more the next time. And if I end up getting sick, I'm like, all right, what, what, what happened? Well, why, why was I slow? What, what, or what, 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 did I get sick? Cause something was like with my throat tired or was I actually physically full? Or was I just, just being, just being a, a wuss and not, uh, and, and finding a way out? So uh, it, a lot of it's, uh, build that tolerance and, and keep improving.
0: When I look at, you know, the the sort of torment that you're putting yourself through, it, it's always rush. You have 10 minutes, you know, 75 hot dogs, I think it was last time. Um, if you were given an hour, how many do you think you could eat? Like, if you could just max out, go, you know, it, it's it's more of an endurance, not an endurance contest, but just a quantity. Like, how many you can do in an hour?
2: Where do you think? Yeah, I've, I've done it. I, uh, I've done 93. 93? Oh, 93. My God. Uh, and that that's where I was like I'm done. Stick a fork in me. It, there's there's no more. And that was like 40 minutes. I, so I did a, a 10 minute practice, and then, uh, then I then I then I, then I recovered. Then I did another like five minutes. And I, I was slowing down every time. I just started, I was sweating, and and it, it, I just towards the end of that 45 minutes, I, I was I was just a zombie. But uh yeah so. So part of doing that is like, all right, I know I have room for ninety three. Right. I can do it in forty five minutes. If I ever need, really need to, I just need to find a way to get them in in ten minutes. <laughs> but That's uh, crazy, it's, it's pretty hard. Uh,
0: when I was a, a teenager, I worked for a radio station, and they had, you know, the like those mini chocolate covered donuts.
2: Oh, donuts!
0: Yeah, yes. exactly, donuts from Hostess. Uh, we we had a competition where it was how many could you eat throughout the whole show, and I ended up eating thirty six and this is like 20 years ago, I still could not eat one of those things to this day without sort of like dry heaving. Like I'm, I'm, I love Nathan's hot dogs. One of my favorite things to eat, especially in the summer months, but the the taste are, are are you even aware of it anymore at this point? Or is it just sort of blocked out by the amount you need to get through?
2: I absolutely, I still love them. I love it. So every year when I start practicing, I practice I, I go to the store and buy some cheap hot dogs and then i then then i do a couple of practices with those and then i start buying the the skinless nathan's hot dogs and i'm like oh those are delicious and i eat more of them and then nathan's sending me the, the real the contest like the natural case you know all beef hot dogs and i'm like oh yeah this is like magic and i, I eat and eat more when i start eating with those i i still love a good hot dog and uh, i think you talk to a fighter like. Even if they lose or they, they have a rough fight, they still are a fighter. They're they're not going to turn down a, a back down to a good argument or a fight. Right. right. Uh, it, even a runner still loves to run after after running a marathon. So I I love I love to eat and I love I'm really lucky. I love hot dogs.
0: Is it better for you to be in a competition where you enjoy the food, or I mean, I would assume so, right?
2: Absolutely, it's so much easier. A lot of my thing is. Uh, you build a tolerance, uh, and it, it's the same way some people have a tolerance for a certain kind of liquor or booze sure. uh, then they can drink a ton of that. I, if it's if it's the food I like, my body is comfortable digesting, and it, and the ribs, hot dogs, uh, it, I, my body is I, just familiar naturally, so I don't have to train it. And uh, I, I, one of these days we're gonna do a Krispy Kreme donut t- contest, and uh, donuts, my body actually it, it, I can digest pretty good. I, I uh, I I, I packed on some lbs, but I uh, I have a natural ability with donuts.
0: Yeah, I, w- I will gladly lose to you anytime in an all-you-can-eat Krispy Kreme uh competition because I'll just be happy eating ten and not you know feeling shame. Like no, I was competing. I mean, I, I can definitely go for like seven uh without any sort of uh extra motivation. But I, I hear you're really good with wings. Um, but but you actually eat the bones in chicken wings? Is that true?
2: Very rarely. There, it, it's uh There was one contest where they they weren't judging them, uh, okay. judging correctly. So they, I would eat them, and then this. Oh, there's still meat on there. Uh, so they, they 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 wouldn't give me credit for them. So I was like, you know I'm going to give you an empty plate, and you got to give me credit for it. Then that's great. Uh, usually, usually, I have a really good technique to get the meat off the bone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm a weirdo. Like, I can't eat things off the bone. I can do it if like it's taken off like with a fork and a knife but like the act of eating and having my tooth or teeth like touch the bone i just I, can't do it,
2: primal about it. I, and I, I, there's something primal and natural about eating with your hands so all the contests we get to eat with our hands and right. uh it, it, I, there's something natural I, I i really enjoy that um is my girlfriend gets mad at me because we go to a restaurant and I, i'll i'll try to eat salad with my hand and i get yelled at
0: You know, I I keep yelling at my kid all the time because he eats with his hands. Maybe he's just, uh, you know, going down the path of Joey Chestnut. I need need to maybe encourage it more than fight it. I don't know. Hopefully,
2: yeah. I'm not saying it's a good habit, but (laughs) I just say it's natural.
0: Do you look back at your legacy, Joey? Because like, like I said, you know, there, there are people that, you know, maybe don't look at this as a sport. Other people definitely do. And when you look at the history and the rivalry with you and Kobayashi, like it's an all-time great sporting accomplishment, a sporting story. Uh, do you feel like you've really left a, a, a mark that will be celebrated on competitive eating? I think
2: I think as far as competitive eating, absolutely. And I, 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 I'm sure uh, – and, and it's awesome that, like, there's people who, uh, over the years, they said, "Oh my God!" When I first watched it, I, I thought I hated it, but th- the more I've watched it, it's, uh, it's grown on me, and I I, I, I watch it with my kids now. And so, I, I think, I think that's a, that's a lot of things in life. Uh, over early years, uh, I remember there were reporters who argued that women should get paid less in tennis because they, they, they uh, they're game, they, they have less matches. Uh, it's best of three instead of best of five. Right. And now, now anybody who says that. They, 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 they drew a line and they have to, they have to remember saying that. Um, I think it's really easy for people to be critical of something. Sure. Uh, back in the day, everybody was critical of UFC. They, they called it a blood sport or cockfighting. Yep. Uh, and now it's now it's really mainstream and people can really look at like how hard everybody works and enjoys it and the what goes into it. So I think there's always going to be critics uh, and it's really easy to be negative Especially competitive eating, it, it is kind of gross. It, there is a little bit of waste. It's not exactly, it's not healthy. Right. Uh, but but most of the, most competitions have all those same aspects. Whether it's NASCAR, or there's there's waste and there, there's so I think I think in time, uh, I, I I don't know I don't know what things are going to look like in the future, but uh, I, I think I've definitely left a little mark on competitive eating.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the the parallels that you actually brought up between competitive eating and mixed martial arts, I think are, are very plenty. You know, uh, it, it was something that was a spectacle. And then as people look into it and see the different layers of what it really takes to be a high-level competitor, yeah, there, there's more to it than just what uh, the advertising uh, and maybe the 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 lower bar, the low hanging fruit, and how to advertise some of these sports. Uh, there's more to it than that, and uh, you know, you're not gonna have any critics here uh, over on UFC Fight Pass, Joey. It was a pleasure catching up. Uh, best of luck coming up here on the fourth with the the next round. Uh, you have a prediction, like what? Uh, how many hot dogs you putting down here in the fourth? Oh,
2: hopefully it's enough to win. But uh, that's seventy six to seventy eight mark. Uh, just, it looks It looks good on paper. I, when I look at the hot dogs, I can see them inside me. and it's just, it's just a matter of getting them in in the 10 minutes.
0: Well, we're pulling for you, Joey. Best of luck, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out at UFC sometime.
2: Thank you so much. I want to make it out. Take care.
0: We're back here on extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis, along with a uh, couple of Houston Astros, we got Lance McCullers Jr. and Carlos Correa, the host of the walkout podcast. You know, I I talk to athletes a lot and, you know, normally we we talk about their sport, but you guys are more prepared to talk about mixed martial arts than I think I am prepared to talk about baseball. You guys are real fight heads.
4: Oh, yeah, we love it, brother. We've been following the sport for a long time. You know, I've been following the fightings. I was five years old back home in Puerto Rico. Then I met Lance when we got drafted by the Astros in 2012, and we share the same passion for combat sports. So ever since then, we've been, every Saturday, we get together and we watch fights together.
0: That's awesome. I mean, you know, you guys are playing a lot of times when the UFC is live. Um, do you like watch it that night? Do you go back and, and, and check it out the next day? How do you uh, go about taking in the fights?
5: Well, we, uh, we 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 pray for day games uh, on Saturday. You know, some sometimes we get them and we'll be able to to catch the uh, catch the action. But if there's a big fights or you know a big card going on when we're playing, I'll usually sneak in. You know, because I'm a pitcher, so I only pitch once every five days. Right. So I'll sneak into the clubhouse and I'll be watching it on my phone. Well, I can't actually. We're not supposed to be watching anything on our phones anymore. But I'll be getting updates. Uh, let's just go with that. I'll be getting updates on the fights and I'll come out to the to the uh, to the dugout and I'll tell Carlos. Uh, but sometimes. We make a pack. We're like, hey, we're not going to watch the fights. We're not going to check social media. We're going to go back to the hotel. We're going to watch them together. So it kind of just all depends if we can uh, handle the suspense or not.
0: I mean, I don't want to give, like, opposing fans any, uh, you know, advice on how to jeer you guys. But, you know, if someone was just shouting out spoilers when you're out there playing, that might piss you off a little
4: bit. Oh, 100%. It will piss me off. When, when there's a big fight, you know, we, we want to watch them. We want right. to feel like it's live. So we wait until the game is over. We go back to the hotel if you're on the road, or we go back to the house when we're at home, and we watch it. But, you know, when there's a fight night, Lance is all in, man. He's he's in the clubhouse. He'll let me know. I'm a chore stop, and he's telling me, hey, Johnny Walker just got sled one time. No, he told unfortunately. Me he just got sled. I'm a <laughs> chore stop, and he's telling me, I'm like, no way. So, you know, we we, we enjoy the sport. We love it. And even though we're playing baseball, we we keep up with it. Uh, you guys were at the uh,
5: the UFC a few weeks ago, right in Houston? We were supposed to be, but unfortunately, um, we had a little mini outbreak uh, in in the MLB. Oh, we're not gonna no. we're not gonna point any fingers, but it was definitely the the Yankees fault and uh, we <laughs> had got a memo saying that you know what the rules were at the time, we right. just got new we just got new rules and a little bit more freedom so um, we'll have to make sure we get to UFC event um, during the season if we can.
0: I'm I'm a Twins fan, and the Yankees like have eliminated the Twins from the playoffs like a billion times. So I'll blame the Yankees for everything, guys. I'm I'm on your side. Oh,
5: well, we're gonna get along.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think our our common interest of combat sports will will go a long way. But you know, I'm curious. You guys uh, did this podcast. What brought that about? Like, whose idea was it to start the walkout?
4: It was both of us, you know, and during the pandemic, um, you know, during the season, prior to the pandemic, we'll be talking about the UFC all the time in the clubhouse. A lot of guys in the clubhouse, they follow the sport also, and they told us, hey, you guys should do something, you know, you guys should do a podcast or something. And then during the pandemic, we got nothing to do. We're in our houses, kind of bored. And then we came up with the idea, let's start a podcast, let's talk about MMA, let's let our fans know how passionate we are about this sport. And at the same time, you know, they can learn a little bit about the sport also.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to hear, you know, high-level professional athletes like yourself, you know, be interested in combat sports. I feel like, you know, baseball's America's pastime, but mixed martial arts is sort of this niche sport. And it's grown quite a bit over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. But, it, it, you know, for a while, it was like this thing that only, you know, me and, you know, my my closest friends were really into. But now it's it's something that's really mainstream. Uh, You know, when when you look at Houston, Houston is a huge fight city. Uh, Unfortunately, you guys weren't able to be at the Toyota Center. Um, But I'm curious, you know, what do you think about uh, the UFC's uh, fan base? And and it seems like Houston's a pretty big fight town.
5: Oh, for sure. There's a a lot of big fighters. You know, obviously, you know, Laura Murphy, uh, she's been just fighting excellent. We got Derek Lewis coming out of there and so many others. I mean, Kevin Holland rolls through there and, and trains as well um you know we've gotten to know you know quite quite a bit and we've got to know mick uh real well you know he's he's a big astros guy but the fan base is just so passionate which is what we love there's just i mean you can see i mean obviously post uh you know pandemic now or you know post you know a lot of lockdowns you're starting to see the fans come back you're starting to get that feeling again at the weigh-ins um you know and and hearing that crowd is you know once again is just amazing but you know i feel like it you know the ufc's done such a good job with with the fighters and the fighters have done a good job, you know, marketing themselves and you know, making them, you know, very personable to the fans and you you get really involved in you know in their life and in their stories, you know, you know, we watching, you know, ufc fight pass or watching the embedded series. I think the ufc just done a great job of, you know, bridging that gap whereas other sports, you know, maybe baseball included, hasn't done as good of a job, you know, in this, you know, social media, you know, age. The ufc's taking advantage of that and Um, the fighters have as well. And it's, it's really given people a a reason to love the sport and to want to follow it. And I think that's why, you know, people are are so, um, you know, drawn to it now.
0: Yeah, there weren't, uh, you know, too many positives uh, to come out of the uh, the pandemic, but one thing uh, that's been good for the UFC and combat sports as a whole is, you know, we've been able to, to sort of carry on throughout that time where uh, a lot of other sports have had to, you know, shut down and, and lock down. Um, you know, going back to Houston, it was a very pro Tony Ferguson crowd inside the Toyota Center. Um, but but unfortunately, Tony didn't, uh, you know, have the performance he wanted uh, against Benil Dariush. I'm, I'm curious, I want to pick your brains a little bit about uh, Tony Ferguson. Like, where do you guys hmm. think he sort of stacks up in this 155-pound division moving forward? Not good. Well, we,
4: we, yeah, we all love Tony Ferguson, but, you know, a little past his prime. It happens to every single athlete. You know, at some point, you got to understand and know that you're not the fighter that you used to be. You're not maybe the baseball player that you used to be. So it's time to, you know, maybe call it quits. But for Tony Ferguson, he's an entertainer, man. And we, we are all going to pay a pay-per-view to watch him fight. So it doesn't matter if he's on a 10-fight losing streak. He's fun to watch, and we're going to go out there and support him. But at the same time, he's got to understand that these top five opponents that, that are in the lightweight division, the toughest division in the UFC, you know, he he's not at that level anymore. So he's got to start picking his fights. You know, maybe uh, a guy like Nate Diaz would be a good matchup for him. He's got to start picking matchups where, where he can have good fights and, and potentially win them.
0: Yeah, I like that fight a lot. That would be a, a barn burner to say the least, and that's something that I think could happen at any mm. time. You know, it, it, that's a fight that's going to be marketable, uh, whenever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Carlos. You train a little bit, right? You uh, you get in the gym and mix it up.
4: Yeah, we both do. We both do. Lance he he trains a little bit more than me. You know, he he's got a couple more updates in there, but but we <laughs> both uh, like to train. He I, I got kind of my girl's gas tank, so I try to limit it to two sessions a week. <laughs>
0: Well, I was going to say, Lance, I, I think you might be better suited to do more training because, you know, if things get hairy, it's always the batter that's coming at the pitcher. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, you know, you always got be, to gotta be ready for the boys. Uh, but I do train. I, I, I train with, uh, you know, um, Renzo Gracie there, there in Houston. And uh, I actually had my my turn my garage during the, the pandemic and the offseason into a, a little um, a little jiu-jitsu gym. I, I, I got a bunch of mats through Mick, actually. And uh, we train a few times a week. We do, um, you know, a lot of jiu-jitsu. We also do, um, you know, some stand up, some muay thai. So I really, I just enjoy it. I, I think it's great. I, I'm, I'm passionate about the sport. I, I love, I love, um, you know, getting in there and being able to mix it up. You know, we've been over there uh, with Coach Bob as well down there in, in Houston. So it's just something that we love. We love uh, talking about it. We love watching it. We love actively par- participating in it. You know, I feel like if you're going to I feel like sometimes if you're going to be, get, you know, giving your opinions and, and really, you know, involved in the sport, you have to try to understand it as well. So right. I think a large part of that for me and, and also Carlos, um, you know, is why we enjoy training as well. That's awesome. Um, among your
0: interests, Carlos, I know you're a, a big Marvel guy, right?
4: Huge MCU guy, man. I've seen every movie in chronological order at least five times over. That's,
0: that's impressive. Wow. It's true. Um, yeah, yeah I- I'm a big fan. I wanna make you be like a casting director for a moment. Uh, I, I think Israel Adesanya, who's also really big into comics and, and, and the Marvel universe, um, would be a good superhero. I just don't know who he would be yet. I, I maybe maybe he'd be a super villain. I don't know. But if, if you were to Ooh. sort of pick a role for Izzy, Carlos, what do you think uh the last style bender could
4: play? I see him as a super villain. I see him as a super villain for sure. And a guy can fight, man. I I think he can be the the new Michael B. Jordan for for Black Panther two movie. I think he could be a great villain on that movie and the fight scenes are gonna be insane if Asanya's in it. So, you know, maybe they should cast him for that second movie. Yeah, there I, you go. Like Lancey co-signing that?
5: I co sign that and, and and Carlos will have to get, you know, some some part of the proceeds, you know, or some part of the, the, <laughs> the cut now. He's a little ma- a little manager fee, so I think we'll probably get maybe 1% for just being on the phone call with them when he came up with it. So, I think it works for everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I
0: like it. I mean, you always got to get that little uh, you know, bonus for uh, coming up with an idea, you know. So, someone might be listening. You might as well throw it out there. Never know. Yeah. Um, in, in all seriousness, though, uh, you know, athletes, uh, you know, I look at Dustin Poirier. He's someone that is, is really, uh, you know, giving back to his community. Conor McGregor made a huge donation to uh, uh, the, the Boys and Girls Club of, of Louisiana. And Carlos, I believe you uh, you are involved with uh, community outreach as well in the Houston area.
4: Yeah, um, I we got the Correct Family Foundation. We work with kids with cancer and dance also has a great foundation that works with uh, pets. You can... Elaborate more on that lens, but our foundation, um, we focus on those kids um, that are going through a tough times with their families, obviously, Doesn't have, they, they don't have the resources, and you know, when, when, when you're a cancer patient as a kid, your parents got to leave everything they're doing. They got to quit their jobs, they got to spend full time with you at the hospital, and it can get very expensive, so that's where our foundation comes in, um, and we don't only you know pay for bills and all that, we also spend time with the kids, um, they become part of our family, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very special to get to spend time with them. They put everything into perspective when it comes to, to your life. So I love spending every single second with them.
0: Lance, uh, t- tell me a little bit of what, what Carlos was
5: saying about the, uh, the animals. Yeah, yeah. We have the Lance Pagotas Junior Foundation uh, down there in Houston. When I was a rookie back in 2015, realized the, the, uh, the animal, the homeless animal population and the shelters and whatnot, they faced an uphill battle. So our, our, our foundation to date uh, we have um, a big second chance program where we uh, where we pay for a lot of animals that come into the shelter with you know gunshot wounds, stab wounds, been hit by cars, wow. uh, abuse, things of that nature. And uh, we also have a big transport program where we uh, transport dogs um, out of the city of Houston to safety. So to date, we're we've saved over seventy thousand animals um, so wow. far uh, in the city of Houston. And then um, uh, you know, along with what Carlos said, they do such great work. Actually. Uh, early in his career, uh, he inspired our foundation to work a little bit uh, with the um, uh, Sunshine Kids, which is also another um, organization that works with uh, kids with cancer and terminal illnesses as well. So we kind of do a, a little bit of everything. Carlos Foundation does um, a lot more as well in Houston. A lot of the guys in the team are very, um, you know, community forward. You know, we, we, we have a, t- a team full of guys who believe that's important. So, you know, we're all just trying to do our part.
0: That's great. Houston is is honestly one of my favorite cities. I don't know if uh, you've ever uh, been to this little spot, but there's a, a great hamburger spot. I uh, think a little bit south of the Toyota Center called uh, Sparkle's Chill Spot. It, it's worth okay. it's worth a a stop by. It's it's kind of in like a, a rough part of town, but if you're uh, willing to go out there and and uh, you know s- sit down and, and have a good burger, it it'll be definitely worth your time. It's it's amazing. Is it, is it in East Houston? I believe so.
5: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good spots over there. A lot of, a lot of really good restaurants over there in East Houston.
0: Yeah, I'm a big stadium. The stadium's
5: right nearby, our stadium as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I have, I've not been to Minute Maid Park. I want to go badly. I, I miss that hill though. I wish, I wish they. Wow. Stopped me too.
5: I miss it too. Trust me.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, they should bring that back. And that's one thing that I like about baseball more than anything is is every park is different. Do you guys have a, a preferred away park to play in? Obviously, you know, home is where the heart is. But do you prefer to play somewhere on the road?
4: Boston. That's my favorite ballpark to go to on the road. Fenway Park, the history of that ballpark. For some reason, every time I go there, I hit real well. So I, I just love um, the confines of Fenway. Yeah.
5: What about you? So Boston, if you're if you're listening, Boston, that's Carl's free agency pitch. You like sitting <laughs> in your ballpark. Uh, for me, um, I actually, I really like the new Rangers stadium. I think it it, it reminds me a lot of Minute Maid and I, I really enjoy playing in Minute Maid. And um, I like I like Yankee Stadium. For me, it's all about the mound. If the mound is good, right. I like pitching there. And uh, if there's good shopping nearby, Carl, Carlson and I are in as well. Yeah,
0: I, I, grew, <laughs> I grew up going to the Metrodome, which was the worst place ever to. Uh, yeah. Well, that one's gone.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, Target yeah. Field's nice. Target Field has a nice mound.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Target Field's great. You know, one thing, though, about uh, the Metrodome is I remember watching, you know, multiple games that would end with like a pop-up to shortstop, but the winning run would score because they couldn't see the damn ball on the roof. You know, it, yeah, it was always like chaos. The trop. Like the drop in Tampa. Yeah, you got the catwalks down there. Those things are crazy. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, you guys are killing it on a, on a nice run. I think you won 12 of 12. Uh, we'll, we'll let you get back to that and dominating uh, the AL West. Appreciate the time.
5: Uh, tell everyone where they can check out the walkout. It's pretty much uh, everywhere podcasts are available now. Yeah, Spotify, uh, iTunes, anywhere you find uh, your normal, your normal podcast, we're there. Gents, I appreciate the time. Best of luck, and uh, hopefully we can have you
0: back and, and talk more about mixed martial arts real soon. Absolutely, Thank
5: you, bro. Thank you. There they
0: are, two major leaguers talking about uh, mixed martial arts in their off time. The walkout with Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers Jr. Make sure you head over to UFC Fight Pass for brand new episodes of the Academy Combine Shanghai now streaming. New knockouts only, dedicated to combos. That's available for you. Uh, new chronicles featuring T.J. Dillashaw and Anderson Silva, uh, both streaming. Anderson Silva with that big boxing wing recently as well. Good for the spider. Yeah. Good stuff there if you saw it. Uh, What else going on? Live events. How about this? Packed first week of July headed your way on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, July 1st marks MMA Grand Prix. That's tomorrow. Wow. Um, Fury Pro Grappling on Friday, Saturday. Uh, You got CFFC 98, new LFA uh, coming your way on Friday as well. And don't miss Titan FC 70 starting uh, Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, That's it for us on this week's episode of Extra Rounds. I want to thank all of our guests for coming on the air. The Hit King, Pete Rose, for stopping by. Uh, Of course, uh, Carlos Correa uh, and uh, Lance McCullers Jr. The American icon and hero that is Joey Chestnut. Awesome. We'll see if he can hold it down once again for the United States coming up on the 4th of July. 76 to 78 hot dogs is what he's predicting. I can do about four and uh, not at anywhere near the rate of speed that Joey can, but I'm still embarrassed that I can eat four. For what it's worth, one of thing Pro Gonzalez as well. Do not miss your chance to uh, go out to the fights and, and maybe even run across Pro Gonzalez and myself out there in Las Vegas. Details coming soon. Keep it locked to Twitter, UFC Fight Pass at TJ Desantis at Pro Gonzalez. Dean Thomas will be on the ground trying to get like a little powwow going on, but it's 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 an odd time you know with, uh, with protocol and all that stuff but uh, we'd love to see if you are out there and you see us do not hesitate to say hello uh, if you missed any part of this broadcast make sure you check out the archive over on Facebook uh, as well as Twitch and uh, anytime with all of our shows over on UFC Fight Pass and if you're more into the audible version you can check out the podcast available anywhere podcasts are iTunes iHeartRadio Google uh, Spotify I think we're even on Amazon. We're everywhere. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, make sure you uh, look for extra rounds. All right, for Pearl, I'm TJ. Thanks for watching. Thanks for putting in extra work. Happy 4th of July. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. And uh, don't eat too many hot dogs unless you're going for a world championship. All right, bye.
5: from UFC Fight Pass is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.